Welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to AmazingLove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. So things haven't turned out as you hoped. Life took a turn. A bump. A darkened sky. And at times it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. God is here. Our God is with us. And our God is the God of new creations. I wanted to welcome you into uh, 2017. It's a week old. How's 2017 so far? If it's bad, it's only been eight days. I'm sorry. Man, goodness gracious. Okay. But I'm really hoping that it could be the best year ever. I'm really hoping and praying that maybe God will draw you closer than you've ever been to him and give you peace. In fact, at Amazing Love, we're planning a banner year. In fact, in this area, we're going to transform the space in 2017. So get ready for better lighting, better sound. Um, just the whole experience is going to be better. I'm really praying for this church that we continue to reach those who don't know Jesus in September, maybe to start two services, which would be awesome. So I'm hoping for a really, really good year. And what's great about a new year is sometimes we're just ready to be done with the old one, right? I was looking at the end of the year post about 2016 and some of the memes that were coming up. And here's one that I found about 2016. Um, <laughs> Lord of the Rings fans, yes, finally over. Because let's face it, an old year can bring a lot of pain and a lot of mistakes. I consider some very famous mistakers of 2016. Uh, there was one performer who snuck in a mistake before the year ended. Uh, did you know where I'm going with this one? Did anyone see Mariah Carey's performance? That was some of the most awkward television I have ever seen in my life, right? Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, they, I guess she was going to plan on lip syncing, but her track wasn't there. So she was just talking to the crowd, stumbling around. It was just, it was bad, right? 
She's probably be ready to be put that behind her. Or then I consider the, the state of the Bears, the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry, Bears fans. And, and maybe we're ready to be done with uh, this guy and move on. Right, you know, and, and, and maybe he's honestly ready to be done here too. I'm not sure, right? Because sometimes you just, you need to put the mistakes in the past. Well, again, I'm not sure what your 2016 was like. I'm hoping that was better than the performances of Mariah Carey or Jay Cutler. Um, but as the new year starts, here's really the dilemma. How do we make sure that as the new year begins, we're not just continuing in that pattern of mistakes? And how do we do it differently, if, if that's the desire? And I read a quote that there is hope. There is hope. Rick Warren, he had this to say. Um, he said, we're products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. And there's something in me that believes that. But then we have to ask the question then, how do we move past the past? How's it possible for 2017 to be a little bit different and to learn from our mistakes? How can we be less like Mariah and more like this character? Anyone see Sing? It's a great movie. I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler alert. Mina the elephant was trying out for the concert, and she had stage fright like nobody's business. In fact, a mouse was enough to rush her off the stage. It wasn't a very nice mouse, by the way. But anyway, um, Mina didn't stay stuck with her stage fright. Rather, at the end, if you saw it, the finale was her breaking out and performing like nobody's business. She tore the place down, literally and figuratively. I mean, it was great to see her break out. How can we be like Mina? Or maybe let me ask you, do you believe it's possible? We've come to church, and I don't know what you know about God, but I believe he's the God of the impossible. You see, there was a man named Jesus who was crucified and put in a grave, and when no one thought it was possible, he rose from the dead. And that's the linchpin of our faith. It's the center of it. And this God, he works so powerfully in us that he can enable fresh starts and new beginnings. I was reading my personal devotions, and I came across this passage that just was filled with hope. It was Peter who said this. He said, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. The divine power that you get to tap into, that I get to tap into, can release us from patterns of sin, release us from patterns of addiction, release us from everything that has put us down. That's our God. But as we talk about it more, I just wanted to welcome you if you don't consider yourself a Christian. Um, maybe you felt burnt by the church at one time or another, and, and you're welcome to be here. We're just happy that you're here watching online. And we're going to readily confess that we're not a perfect bunch. And unfortunately, this isn't a perfect church. But we do hold out the perfect one. And any effort to get to know him is worth it. So again, welcome. Welcome as we learn about that perfect one. And what you know about God and what I want to tell you about God is that he gives second chances. Let, let me tell you just a few of the stories of second chances. There was a man named Moses who was a murderer who was given a second chance by God. There was a, a, a girl named Rahab who was a, a prostitute who was given a second chance and entered the, the kingdom of Israel. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a thief and, and he was given a second chance by God. There was a man named Saul who in an incredible way was given a second chance by God. But our true story is about a guy named Peter. Ready to hear about him? Peter, who wrote this. 
Peter had one of the biggest mistakes in all of recorded scripture. It, it happened not on a New Year's Eve. No, it, it happened on Monday, Thursday, the day before Jesus died. And here's how it went down. Jesus spoke to Peter and said, I, I know what's going to happen. It's a train wreck, Peter. It's going to happen tonight. You're going to deny that you even know me. You remember Peter's reaction? <laughs> Jesus, we're BFFs. Nothing's going to get in the way of my bestie. Come on, right? Even if I have to die for you. But that very night, didn't take much. A little girl was enough to get him to squirm and say, I don't know Jesus. So he failed. He made a mistake. But then three days later, on Easter Sunday, we know Jesus appeared to Peter. And he didn't appear to many people on Easter Sunday, but he did appear to Peter probably to forgive him and reinstate him and say, I give you second chances. But then what we're going to get into is, is another story. When after a breakfast on a beach with the disciples, Jesus pulls Peter aside and he has some words to confirm again that though he made a mistake, there is a new beginning and a fresh start possible. Let's get into these words. You're invited to follow along, whether in your worship folder or on the screen here, uh, but we get to discuss what Jesus said to Peter. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? We'll talk about love today. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. Isn't that true about young people? But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. It's interesting in this last verse, we see that Peter would die a martyr's death. And the historian Eusebius, he says that he was actually crucified like Jesus, but didn't want to be crucified like Jesus, so he was crucified upside down. How crazy is that? But what we see is that though Peter had a mistake, he was given a second chance. So could you turn to your neighbor and just tell him, you got a second chance. You got a second chance. You got a second chance. As we talk about this, I wanted to bring up my history with the instrument called the tuba. When I was in fifth grade, I thought it was the coolest decision ever to play the tuba. It was the biggest instrument. It was the loudest instrument. So when the time came where I could play the tuba, I said, tuba it is. But what I didn't know, if you play any instrument, you can relate to this. What I didn't know is how much air it took to fill the tuba. And I was a fifth grader. I remember the first concert ever playing the tuba, and I felt like I was going to black out. There was not enough oxygen going around. I got done with the song. My face was red. I was huffing and puffing. It was bad. And because I was having such oxygen problems, what happened with my cheeks is that they'd blow out like this. That was me playing the tuba. Well, that's all I could do when I was in fifth grade, but, but I grew up. I played it in high school. And because I learned to do this, people kind of laughed at me. I guess as a tuba player, you don't have to do this. You can actually hold it in. But, but I, I had a hard time because though teachers would tell me that and other tuba players would tell me that, I had practiced so long like this, 
You're going to remember that. Um, anyway, uh, I practiced so long that it was really, really hard to break out of it. I couldn't keep my cheeks in. And that's when I learned this lesson. And here's my point. Sometimes when we practice things, it doesn't perfect what we're doing. Rather, sometimes when we practice things, it just makes it permanent. Here's the principle. Maybe you've heard it before. It's not something I came up with. Practice doesn't always make perfect. Sometimes it makes permanent. And that's true not just with tuba playing, but that could be in sports. If, if you're a basketball player and you picked up the wrong way to shoot a basketball, it's hard to break out of that. Or maybe swinging a baseball bat, a hockey stick. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way, and it's hard sometimes to break out of those patterns, right? Well, that's relate, relating to us today, because today we're saying, well, how do we get past mistakes? You see, sometimes mistakes just, you know, keep piling up one after the other, after the other, after the other. And, it, and it's really hard to break out of what happened in the past. It's, it's really hard to transform our lives or take steps forward or make progress. So what do we need? Can I tell you what God does? God has a way of interrupting the pattern. See, see Moses was interrupted by a burning bush, wasn't he? And Rahab was interrupted by spies. And, and Zacchaeus, he was interrupted in Jesus' parade. I'm going to your house today, Zacchaeus. And Saul, do you remember him? I mean, he was on his way to Damascus, and there was a light that shone, and he was interrupted in a major way. What I see as far as breaking out of the, the pattern of permanence is a godly interruption. See, this is what Jesus did. He got in the way so that instead of being a continual mistaker, eventually Zacchaeus changed his life and Saul changed his life. And Peter, he would change for the Lord. Now, as it relates to our life, I'm not sure Jesus is going to, on the way home from church, be a shining light to your SUV on the highway. In fact, that might be problematic. I'm not sure he's going to do that. Um, but here's what I do know. We should spend, we should be sure to pause with Jesus. If he doesn't do this, if he doesn't interrupt us, then maybe it's on us to make sure before we get into another pattern, before we do it again, we pause and we let Jesus enter in. Because can you relate that sometimes our worst mistakes were rush jobs? You ever been there? I don't have any time. And so you click an email and you send it, even though you know you shouldn't have sent the email and you were heated and you're not in the right emotional frame, but you had to send it, you had to get work done, and there it is, a can of worms, and you just sent it. Or maybe it was that purchase. And it was a one-day sale. They're never going to have another one-day sale. <laughs> so you swipe the credit card, not checking what's in the bank account, and you have buyer's remorse and was on a better sale later. Or maybe it's a relationship, and a guy wants to date you, a girl wants to date you, and, and you'd, you'd like the perfect person, but you don't have time for the perfect person, so that person will do. Sure, let's go out. So when God interrupts us, it's actually a huge blessing. When after this uh, beachside um, breakfast, uh, he takes Peter aside, it is one of the biggest blessings in Peter's life, that he could have this time with Jesus to be interrupted. And maybe that's exactly why you're here watching online, because God has interrupted you in some way. 
And you know that you need something that he can give. And you don't know where else to look, but I tell you, he can give you help. So as we go forward, what we need to do is be sure to pause. And, and by the way, we pause here every Sunday. It's really good. And you can pause by reading your Bible. And you can pause through prayer. And when you do, you should ask, will this email glorify God? Will this purchase recognize that he owns it all? And I'm honoring him with what is his. Will this new year be about giving him glory or pursuing my will? We've got to pause. So time to reflect. Time to reflect. As we consider and we're talking about mistakes, is it true, would you be willing to admit there have been mistakes in your own life? Are there times where you wish, man, I, I wish I could have done it differently, could have gone back? What amazing love, and really as Christians, we call these mistakes not just mistakes, but sins. And they're an offense to a holy God. But probably the hardest thing about this fresh start and doing it over is a willingness to hear about God's way. Is a willingness to accept that there is truth above your own truth. There is a way above your own way. There is, there's a path above your own path right now. And, and is it possible that sometimes we push away God's path and God's desires? And sometimes we're in this pattern saying, you know, God, I, I know it's wrong, but, but please, would you butt out right now? I don't want to hear from you. This is what we have opportunity to repent of today. To say, God, I believe you're a voice higher than my own. I believe your ways are better than my ways. Lord, teach me. And as we repent, you know what we have? A second chance. You see, Jesus came. And Jesus was born in a crib and placed there, but he didn't stay in the crib. He went to the cross. And the cross where he died says, I got second chances for you, and I got third chances for you. You need a fourth chance, I got a fourth, and a fifth, and a sixth, and new mercies every morning. See, our past can be covered by his past. We don't have to remember our sinful mistakes. We can remember his perfect life in our place. We can remember that his past covers us, and as we considered last week, our lives are actually hidden in Christ. You want to know how to move past the past? Get over it by remembering his past. He was perfect every day for you. And through faith, you're considered perfect and holy in his sight. How awesome. He died on the cross and he said, it's finished. What's finished is your guilt and your shame. You have peace today. How awesome is this? You know what Jesus reminds me of? I am caught up with news stories of Syria. And in Syria, there's a group called the White Helmets. And, and the White Helmets are pictured here. They're the ones helping people through the rubble. And, and currently, they've saved over 78,000 kids and people who are trapped in rubble. And they're the ones who, who people um, hope for will come. They're a picture of hope. And isn't it true that Jesus is the ultimate White Helmet? <laughs> See, the truth is, it doesn't matter what level of rubble you are locked under. You could have been five levels deep, but he is powerful enough to lift you and put you on firm ground to give you a new beginning and a fresh start. And this is the gospel of the Lord. How awesome. But as we continue this series, we're going to talk about the process of how to move past. We're going to talk about owning it, rethinking it, and releasing it, okay? But before we get into the next three weeks, I want to hold out a carrot of what there is to gain, okay? 
There's, there's two things really to gain if you stick with us in this series. And, um, and, and so, so with that, the first thing we have to gain um, is illustrated through what's going on in our lesson. It's, it's, it's Greek. It's, it's a Greek lesson. So if you're a student, you're really going to love this next part. And if you're not a student, like pinch your leg or something, you know, try to stay awake. I don't know. Um, but I, I want to tell you what's going on in the Greek. Are you ready? Hit your neighbor or pinch him. Or, I don't know. Wake up. Um, here's what's going on in the Greek. It's really interesting. Um, when, when Jesus is talking to Peter, he says this. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, in the Greek, that word for love is agape. And maybe you've learned that there are many different words for love in Greek. Agape, eros, phileo. Well, well here is the highest form of love. Agape is unconditional and unfailing. Agape was illustrated when, when it says that Christ gave his life for sinners. Like, who does that? Who loves enemies? Well, well, Jesus does. It is the best form of love. So, Peter, do you have agape for me? What's interesting is Peter's response. You want to see it? Want to see it? Want to see it? He says, you know that I love you. Now, why is it green? Because the word for love is different here. Peter says, phileo. And if you're familiar with the city of Philadelphia, it's the city of brotherly love, and, and friendship love, and, and what we know about it is just a lower form of love. See, Peter's attitude is not one that's going to claim more than he can claim. He, he knows, I, I haven't been unfailing. I haven't been unconditional. I haven't shown you the highest form of love. That's what happens the second time, too. Jesus says, do you love me? Agape? And, and Peter says, phileo. And then the third time is something different. Jesus then finally says this. He says the third time, do you love me? Now he's using phileo. And this is when Peter was hurt. Because that's what Peter's been saying the whole time. Yeah, I don't have agape for you, but you know I have phileo. Right? And, and so he said, Lord, you know all things. And, and before he was saying no, this word for no meant just the knowledge or the facts. This time he says, you know from experience. It was a different word for no. You know from experience, I'm your bud. You know I'm not perfect, but, but truly I love you. You know this, Jesus. Now what's the point of the Greek lesson? The point is to draw out what Peter has gained in his second chance. See, Peter no longer is the one jockeying for position as the greatest disciple. Peter's not the one saying, you walk on water, call me out on water. He's not, not, not the one saying, I would die for you. No, rather, what he's gained is humility. He will not say more than he can say. He will just say that he loves Jesus. You know what a second chance does for us? It gives us an enduring humility. That, that was true of the character named Paul. Paul, who was the greatest missionary, wrote most of the New Testament, would often refer to himself as the worst of sinners and the least of the apostles. And it's interesting because today, some of the people that God uses the most are still some of the most humble. Have you seen that? We had a leadership team meeting this past week, and we were talking about someone we all knew as uh, John... Dr. Brug, who taught at the seminary. And what's great about him, he was a brainiac, and he was brilliant, but he was also one of the most humble guys you would ever meet. He doesn't tout himself. It's interesting, this last year, um, our women's group did a series by Beth Moore. I wrote Beth Moore a letter, 
And um, she actually responded because I had some questions. And, and one of the lines she had in there, um, I, I don't have the exact phrase, um, but she said something to this. She said, as long as it's not about me, it's an insurance that this ministry will endure. How incredible, right? I consider my own life as a pastor. And, and I'm kind of at not a second chance, but maybe a fresh start because I considered a call and love to be here. But what it's reconfirmed in my own soul is that it can't be about me. It can't be about my name. It can't be about the name of amazing love. This has to be about the glory of Jesus, as you know, the glory of his kingdom and him working through us all. And I'm going to rely on that strength a little bit more, I hope, this year and say it's up to you, God, rather than up to me. What about you? Would your world look better today if you had a bit more enduring humility? Would this impact your family? Would it impact your work? Would it impact this church? I think it would. And what is humility? Let me remind you. It's not like being a dog with his tail between his legs who had just been punished. That's not humility. It's not hanging your head saying, I'm not a man but a worm. No, humility is just this idea that when you walk into a meeting and you say, I'm going to crush it, you crush it because you rely not on your own strength but God's strength. And through him you can do anything. It means that if you walk with swagger, it's good to have swagger. It's a righteous swagger. Reliant not on who you are but on the goodness and the grace of God. It means that we replace our self-esteem with Christ's esteem because our lives are hidden in him and all that matters is how he views us. This is what we have to gain if we go through this process and get a fresh start. But there's a second thing. There's a second thing. And to talk about the second thing, I want to bring up other people who had modern-day second chances. Um, it's interesting to see these people together on many levels. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if you've heard about Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. Um, but anyway, Martha Stewart is someone who definitely has had a second chance. Some of you might remember she had some financial troubles. She didn't report the selling of a stock. And, and I did some research on what she said after her imprisonment. Uh, she said this, I think it was back in 2004, 2005. The experience of the last five months has been life-altering and life-affirming. And I just wonder, life-altering, do you think if she got in a problem with her accountant or tracking money that maybe, just maybe, she's going to do things a little bit differently with Snoop Dogg? That'd be wise, wouldn't it? Or I consider other people who have had second chances. There was a, a pastor named Jim Baker. I don't know if you ever heard of Jim Baker. He was, uh, my mom tells me about him. Anyway, um, <laughs> and, and he was really popular during the 80s, but he had a huge falling out. Sexual immorality, uh, financial problems, but he's back in the spotlight. He, he has a new wife. He has a new ministry. But do you think maybe he's going to handle that relationship and money just a bit differently? I think so. What I see in this lesson, and what's happening with Peter, is that something's going to change. He, he's going to have a purpose. He's going to have a destiny. In fact, not only does Jesus say three times, do you love me, but what else does he say three times? You know? Feed my sheep. What he's doing in giving a second chance is he's confirming what his purpose truly is, how he's going to do it differently, what his job will be. And this is what I believe a second chance affords us. That I believe second chances grants a divine sense of purpose. 
You see, it's about entering that relationship, and if it was messy and bad and maybe it didn't work, it means this time I know what I did before. I am not, I am not, I am not going to do that again. It means if you've been fired, maybe for laziness or lack of performance, it means that I'm going to enter this new job, and I am not, I am not, I'm not going to do it again. It means if you've got a DUI. It means if you did the weekend all wrong. We're going to pause and we're going to say, God, with this fresh start, I am not, I am not, I'm not going to do that again. That's the hope at the end of this. That God will continue to refine us and give us opportunities to do it the right way. I believe it's possible. So join us for the next few weeks as we talk about owning it, rethinking it, and releasing it. And now as we end today, I'm going to pray for us. We close with prayer. Heavenly Father, there are so many things I'd like to do differently. And I know you have the power to transform my life. First, give me peace knowing I am forgiven for all of my sins and all my mistakes. But second, lead me to the paths that will please you in this new year. Give me the wisdom to know what to do with this message and the grace and the power then to do it. Amen.